Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Brainwaves. This is Allison, and there's no this is Sandra today because it's just me. And we are so excited that we have a special guest on today. Our guest is Marcy Timmerman. She is in charge of Kentucky's branch of Mental Health America, which has been a really fantastic and wonderful partner of Stamina and is doing really incredible work in the community. So we are so excited to have Marcy on today by phone. That's why her audio might sound a little bit different from mine. And this week, like you see in the title and description, we are going to be tackling a pretty sensitive issue of suicide and youth suicide in particular. So we do encourage you if this is a topic that might be triggering or sensitive for you, uh, maybe sit this one out and tune back in next week when we'll have another probably later episode. So we will go ahead and get started. Marcy, would you mind introducing yourself and maybe sharing some of your background, some of your experience in the field of mental health? Yeah, I am Marcy Timmerman. I am the executive director of your statewide Mental Health America of Kentucky. We are part of a national organization called Mental Health America, but we are independent of them, but we work together a lot on issues. Personally, I have been involved in mental health um, as a supporter, as an advocate, um, for about 15 years now. So I've seen a little bit of everything. I know some child psychiatrists, child psychologists, um, adolescent folks, um, and I know a lot of adult folks as well. All right. Thank you, Marcy. And like I said, Mental Health America is doing really awesome, exciting work, and Marcy has been one of the nicest, most generous supporters of our work, so we are so, so excited that she's here today. We are going to go ahead and dive right into it. So, Marcy, I was wondering, why do you think it's important to discuss the issue of youth suicide, even though it might be tough or difficult to talk about? My answer to that is typically, nothing good comes from staying silent. Refusing to acknowledge a problem doesn't make it go away. And we know that it is a problem in Kentucky as well as nationwide. Our youth are dying by suicide too frequently. And we can't stop that if we aren't talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing good comes from staying silent. That's a perfect quote. And I really agree with that because in Kentucky, youth suicide is a really prevalent issue. There's a survey that the CDC does every two years, I believe, called the Youth Risk Behavior Survey. On the most recent one, one in seven Kentucky high schoolers reported having seriously considered attempting suicide. So I think we've mentioned that before in the podcast. And even though I say that statistic a lot, it's still really shocking and surprising to me every time I think about it and think about how that means that four students in my classes of 30 have seriously considered attempting to take their own lives. So it really is an important issue and it's also something that has come up a lot in my own school district and in districts across the state. So it is really important to talk about to try to begin to address this concern. Moving on from that, Marcy is wondering, what do you think are some of the factors that might contribute to youth suicide in Kentucky specifically or in general? People tend to assume suicide is because of mental illness, right? That's kind of a standard one. But I think there's some other things that factor in that may not be illness, but poor mental health. Things like feeling hopeless, having impulsive or aggressive tendencies. Those don't have to be an illness, right? That could just be someone who was fun to be around. It was always impulsive. Isolation, being cut off from others. And isolation is one of those things that can be felt even when you're a popular person and a high-performing person, you can feel not connected to other people. So I think we overlook that sometimes, so that's a big one. Barriers to accessing health treatment. So when someone does have a problem, if they don't know where to go or there is no service available in their area, that's a real big issue. And it leads to more frequent and more common suicides, unfortunately. 
Another one is experiencing a loss, whether that's breaking up with a girlfriend, losing a best friend, losing a job, and or having some financial problems. All of those kinds of things. Um, having easy access to legal means is a big one. Here in Kentucky, where we have a, a large number of gun owners, understanding how to secure guns, putting on trigger locks, and things like that is a really big thing for prevention. Also, an unwillingness to seek help because of the negative things people hear about mental health and substance abuse. So if someone does have a mental illness or a substance abuse problem and the community really looks down on them and degrades them all the time, that makes them unwilling to go get help, to get the label attached to it and to get the help they actually need. Those are some of them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As you all are hearing, there's definitely no shortage, unfortunately, of factors that can contribute to suicide and youth suicide, and I think that's probably part of why the issue is so prevalent, especially things like those barriers to resources, like so much stigma that unfortunately prevents people from getting the help that they need, and then these issues sometimes can build on themselves and build on themselves until it leads to a suicide. Um, one thing I think yeah. that you mentioned that definitely isn't talked about enough is the issue of isolation. Just like you said, it doesn't have to be someone who seems typically quote-unquote isolated. It is oftentimes people who are the most popular, who are the most high-performing, who don't necessarily feel directly connected to others, even if it seems like they are. A lot of times you'll see that those people aren't necessarily feeling all the connections that they seem to have. I think one thing that also definitely contributes to that, especially nowadays, is social media, which we talk about all the time on this podcast. It is important. It is such a huge part of our lives nowadays. And sometimes what can happen is that there is these superficial relationships that form on social media and then feels like maybe you're connected. It kind of seems like you're connected because, oh, look at the thousand people who are following me on Instagram. I see all their posts. I see what they're up to, um, which for some people might be a good source of connection but at the same time you might see those people you might comment on their posts you might reply to someone's comment uh, you might like their posts but that doesn't necessarily substitute for in-person interaction or having a real conversation because it is a little bit more superficial so that can I think really contribute to senses of isolation Definitely it can. I always think of social media as an extension of deeper relationships. It's always the best way to use it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Some of the things that can help be protective against suicide are regular mental health screenings, which we offer at MHA Kentucky, MHAKY.org. Having an adult that they trust, whether that is a parent, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, a church leader. It can be the janitor, the cafeteria worker at school. Having someone that kids actually have a deeper connection with who is a little older than them is very important. And again, that kind of combats some of that isolation feeling, right? Effective clinical care for mental, physical, and substance abuse problems, because while we talk about mental health access as a MHA, that's our thing, also not having access to a regular doctor or regular substance abuse treatment, if that's something that someone needs. And having that access is important. Connections within the community, we've talked about that a couple of times. Skills in problem solving, conflict resolution, and nonviolent ways of handling disputes. That is something that we can never emphasize enough, I think, is that we all need those things, those problem-solving skills, conflict resolution skills, and we offer some of those at the end of our screenings. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's really important to discuss those protective factors because um, exactly like you said, Marcy, a lot of times those aren't mentioned. Maybe we talk about the risks, but we don't talk about what we can do for ourselves and for others to help. Definitely, there's going to be the link to Mental Health America of Kentucky's website in the description of this podcast. So they have some 
really great screening tools for lots of different mental health challenges or mental illnesses that someone might be experiencing. So please feel free to check those out. They're really great online resources that are totally anonymous that you can use. They don't substitute diagnosis, but they are good tools. And then Marcy, you were talking about some problem solving skills and things that are available in the service to support. Is that what you mentioned? Yes, that's it. Gotcha. Yeah, I think those skills might be folded into social-emotional learning curriculum. I guess to kind of break down what social-emotional learning is, is basically a kind of curriculum that focuses kind of on the whole person, making sure that we are not only learning the facts that we're supposed to know in school, but also some of the more emotional skills and being emotionally prepared as well. That's not something that I've seen necessarily super integrated into our school system yet. It's also something that a lot of times you can start teaching when kids are a lot younger, like even in elementary school, you can start teaching kids about how to identify emotions, how to resolve conflicts, how to problem solve, all that kind of stuff. And it's not necessarily something that at least I felt like I experienced. So I think that kind of training as well, whether it is something you do on your own time, honestly, just like practicing your own emotional control and problem solving, or it's something that we can try to implement in our schools. I think it would be really fantastic to have better training for social and emotional skills for younger students and throughout the rest of the K-12 curriculum. And also something to think about if and when you become a parent as well. I'm sure that is pretty far down the line for a lot of our listeners who are maybe still high schoolers or college students, but um, still it is something to think about because again, early childhood education on those issues can be helpful. So now that we're talking about protective factors, I think now might be a good time to transition into talking about resources. So what resources might be available to those who are struggling, who maybe are actively in crisis, or also for those who maybe aren't necessarily actively in crisis, but in general are struggling with their mental health? If you're in crisis right now, there's always the National Lifeline. It's 800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K, the phone number to call. You can also use the crisis text line, which if you text the word HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741, you can just start texting immediately with a crisis counselor. And for LGBTQ youth, so anyone who is questioning their sexuality or um, otherwise knows that they're lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, all of those things are covered by the Trevor Project, which is an amazing resource. They have both an online chat, a text line, and a phone line, so they're really well equipped to a lot of emergencies. <laughs> Yeah, they, they know a lot. And we know that um, LGBT youth in Kentucky actually die by suicide more frequently than, uh, than their peers. Yeah. So that is a huge thing. As far as other places to get information, information can be really found um, at a couple of places in Kentucky. We have a local American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And we have some of the best experts at Eastern Kentucky University um, who are part of that organization. Their, their information there in the Kentucky chapter is amazing. I'll give you that link as well to add to the notes. Also, you've got the Suicide Prevention Corps Consortium of Kentucky, as well as spcky.org. But also, um, if folks are just needing some help uh, locally, there are crisis lines for every single county in Kentucky that are not emergency lines. So if you're not actually going to harm yourself right now, but you really need help soon, there's a crisis line for every single county, and we have a link to those on our website. All right, great, thank you. 
just to recap, all of these links and resources will be available in the description of this episode. So if you're listening and didn't catch the link, don't worry. Just pop over to our description. You can find it. And Marcy was talking about the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, you might recognize that number as the number from the Logic song. So 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255 is the number that you can call. And as a lot of times, I know I don't necessarily like talking on the phone all the time because honestly, it's kind of weird if you're not texting or FaceTiming sometimes. <laughs> the Crisis Text Line is a great resource for that as well. And yeah, this is why it's so important to talk about resources because I've been involved in mental health advocacy for a while and I didn't realize that we had county-based non-crisis lines that you can call. So it's always good to chat about resources, get them out there. So even if you think it might be weird, one thing that you can do after listening to this podcast is number one, share the podcast because we're packed full of resources here. So you can always share this with friends, family. It doesn't even need to be someone you think might be actively struggling. You can share these resources with any person who is around um, because it's important to spread awareness of these resources as long as there are more people who know about the resource then there's more people who can go and use the resource without having to search for it or track it down or click through a bunch of websites if you know it's out there then you can use it yourself you can refer someone else to it so definitely it's so so important to spread awareness about the resources that are available and out there yeah and put those numbers in your phone yeah, absolutely. So you got easy access. You don't have to memorize these numbers. All right. Awesome. So now that we're talking about resources and more getting into advocacy a little bit, I already started talking about how we can share and spread these resources and put them in our phones and increase awareness for them. What are the steps that someone can take, just anyone who's out there listening, what are the steps that someone can take if they believe a friend or a family or anyone else they know might be in crisis right now? MHA has broken this down in one of our resources as ACT. So you act, ACT. You ask and be direct about it if, if someone is considering suicide. But do it without judgment, right? So don't ask them, you're not going to do anything stupid, are you? Right? Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, be direct. Say, I'm worried about you. I'm worried that you're thinking about dying. Are you thinking about dying? Be very direct about it. It can be a very hard conversation to have, but it's an important one. It's a life-saving one. The second one is care, right? We care about people around us. So what we mean by that is try not to leave someone who's in immediate danger. If they do tell you that they're thinking about suicide, don't leave them, stick with them, use your phone, you know, use your other resources to get them help. But stay with them and let them know that, you know, you're there for them throughout the process. Don't abandon them as a friend if you can help it, you know? So just care about someone. And then the key is tell. Suicide cannot be a secret. You have to seek out your community mental health center or another professional. Use the hotlines or the local crisis lines, whatever works in the situation you're in. Make sure you tell someone about this. You do not have to carry this burden alone, and it can never be a secret. Yeah, absolutely. Because just like we said earlier, it's staying quiet oftentimes leads to this happening. And one thing that I want to emphasize is the first step of ask in the three act steps. I get that it might feel weird. It might be a weird conversation to have and it might feel awkward, but just saying it, just having that conversation, all you have to do is get a few words out, like five or 10 words. So I know it might be tough to kind of get over that hump, but it is so, so important. And like Marcy said, it can be a life-saving conversation. So it's 
so important. And one of the common misconceptions is that talking or asking someone directly about if they're considering dying can put the idea in their head or increase their risk, but it's actually the opposite. So asking about it is the life-saving conversation that you can have. And the worst thing that would happen is the person's like, oh no, I was just kind of tired today. That's the worst case scenario pretty much, right? So there's yeah, not much, much to it. lose mm -hmm. and everything to gain. Exactly. And we will also make sure we link to those ACT steps in the description okay. of this episode as well. So it's going to be just packed full okay. of resources in this one. <laughs> So now thinking more generally, less if we think a friend might be actively in crisis or might be struggling with their mental health, more generally as a community, what are some of the things that we might be able to do to address youth suicide? Having conversations about suicide, what it is and what it isn't, sharing things like this resource with the steps and some signs, that's always important information. But we can also build that social emotional learning you were talking about into everything we do as a community. We can become more connected again. We can encourage connections between people, do a little less isolating of individuals who maybe don't fit the same mold as your smaller town or of a certain group that you're with. Make sure that you're inclusive as much as you can be and really listening to youth. I think there's still a tendency to blow people off. Oh, it's just teenage hormones, that kind of thing, right? Which it sometimes can be. But um, adults and community members need to think about that, need to not be dismissive, right? And to truly care. We need to do better at that. Yeah. Oftentimes that can be one of the main reasons why teenagers don't want to reach out for help is because they feel or they previously have been dismissed by an adult, right? It's pretty right. common to still hear, oh, it's just your hormones, deal with it, ride it out, just puberty, right? That can be a contributing factor, but it does feel very dismissive, it feels like you're not being listened to when someone does hear that. So for any adults who are out there listening or teenagers who are out there listening who want to tell all the adults they know, um, that's definitely something important to keep in mind. Yeah, and have that conversation, you know, outside of the moment. And also, stuff that we've been doing in our schools is that building up strength space as a foundation to prevent suicide. Building up a strength based concept of focusing on someone's good points and their strengths versus their weaknesses. We want to build weaknesses as much as we can, but our energy should be focused on using people's strengths and really identifying the good in others. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not easy necessarily for others or for yourself, honestly. I think a lot of us are too hard on ourselves. The next time you're beating yourself up or thinking about your own weaknesses, then think about would you treat your best friend that way? Because if you wouldn't, you probably shouldn't be treating yourself that way either. It is a lot easier to focus on the negatives, but also yeah. there's so much good in ourselves and others that we got to focus on too. Mm -hmm. Yep. Alright, great. So I think everyone has some steps they can take after listening to this podcast, some things they can do. It doesn't have to be huge action. Every single person who's out there listening can help address youth suicide because this is something that we need to kind of come together on as a community. And it doesn't have to be huge action. It can be small little things like we mentioned, but it is important to try to take action, even if it's just having a conversation or posting something on social media about it or starting a conversation or whatever it is that you think that you're capable of doing after listening today. All right, so now thinking more about some misconceptions around suicide, are there any major misconceptions around suicide or youth suicide that you want to share are not accurate? One of the big ones that I hear all the time is that it's selfish. Someone who is in the level of pain to take their own life is not thinking clear. Selfish implies that they're in a mental place where they can choose to be that way. And I don't think that's true. When there are signs or illness beforehand or not, suicide is never done from a place of true calculated logic, no matter how it looks from the outside. 
Um, it's ultimately a cry for help, and it's it's not about the other people affected by it. It's always about that individual. Um, even if it's a rash decision or a thought-out one, it doesn't matter. You don't make these choices from a sense of logic and calm. So that's yeah. one thing I hear a lot. Absolutely. One of the other things that you mentioned was that asking someone if they're thinking about suicide will get some of the idea. That's never true. If something in you will lead you to ask that question, this is not planting an idea in their head. They've already had this conversation mm-hmm. in their head. So that's another big misconception we hear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That one bears repeating because those are definitely the two most common ones that I hear personally around your suicide and important ones to debunk and share the message uh-huh. of debunking. So. Yes. All right, great. So thank you for mentioning those, Marcy. And kind of to close it out today, so we've been talking a lot throughout this whole episode about ways and things that we can do in our own daily lives, just small changes or small things that we can do to help address this issue in our own lives. If you had just like one message or you wished everyone would do one thing to address the topic of youth suicide, what would it be? I would tell people that they're not alone, that feelings aren't facts, and that help is available, and to keep that help in your phone, in your contacts, available to you, should you run into someone who needs that help. So those resources, numbers, and those important things, keeping those handy, just in case. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such an important message to echo. And that's something that everyone who's listening today can definitely take through their own lives. So I think that's all the questions that I have for you. Marcy, are there any last thoughts that you wanted to share before we close out today? No, but thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, Marcy, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. We are so excited to have you on and so appreciative of your partnership with Stamina, all the work that you're doing at Mental Health America. Thanks for all your good work. All right. Thank you so much. All right, so thank you all so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Brainwaves. Uh, We hope that this was educational. We hope that this maybe addressed some misconceptions that you might hear flying around. And we hope that you can take away from this podcast one or two things. They don't have to be big things that you can do in your daily life to address youth suicide and mental health in general. So thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a review of this podcast, share this podcast, and have a wonderful week. We will see you next Friday.